All right, uh, welcome to this week's Monday meeting. Today is January, January 28th, uh, 2019. Monday meetings are a chance for motion designers all over the world to connect and ask questions, share inspiration, or hear presentations and interact with industry leading artists on an equal playing field. Um, today's topic is pretty much a general one, a general discussion. Uh, we have a lot of links to share. There's a lot of stuff that happened this week. Um, but the overall kind of topic that we thought would be a good discussion item would be, um, kind of based off, uh, Alexi's blog post that he just released and kind of around the idea of, um, I'm so lost, uh, things we wish we knew when we got started. So I think, and Liam and I were talking about this, I think it'd be a lot of fun for Alexi to kind of maybe kick this one off and, you know, walk through some of his um, things that he wished he had known when he started, but then open that up for general discussion and, and try to see what, you know, um, what you guys wish you would have known, or uh, I think there's probably a pretty good diverse pool of artists and business owners and whatnot in the meeting to kind of get a, uh, interesting read on, um, on things we wish we knew. Um, we can kind of guide the discussion a little bit. Um, but I think just opening it up for general discussion, um, would be good. Also, I think Liam, did you have, we had some, a couple opening topics, right? So if you want to hit that. Um, yeah, so I guess first one is we're kind of trying out having a Discord server and inviting people to that. Mostly just so there's a direct way that people can start chatting with each other. Um, Slack, the Slack group is great and that channel is great for on the BroGraph channel. Um, but we don't want people to have to join a Slack to get into a channel when you, we can just have something dedicated to it as well. But the RealGraph Slack channel is not going to go away. We're still going to be active in there. And it's kind of just a test run to see how this works out. The other thing that I really wanted to push with it is Discord has voice services built in. So I thought it'd be really cool for people that can't get on these all the time or every Monday, there'd still be an option for people to chat with each other and get feedback and maybe do like a critique in there too. Um, so uh, that, that's one thing and we'll have the link in the show notes and everything. And then the other thing of course is Adobe acquired algorithmic. I don't know if we even really <laughs> want to go too much into that because it was beat so much to death last. I thought we were going to read all the comments, the like 500 plus comments. <laughs> God. Story time, right? Yeah. Like I, the, when it first happened, I was like, God, really Adobe's taking over something again. And now that's been a week, I'm kind of just trying to be a little bit more optimistic about it. Think like, all right, maybe maybe this is good and uh, there'll be more money behind algorithmic. Not that they really need it because it seems like they have a really great base of users and subscribers and everything. Um, the one thing that I'm most concerned about with it is I've been like 
a subscribe to own person for a couple of years now. So like the way it usually works or it used to work was if you subscribe to them for a year after a year, you could use that money towards a permanent license of one of their software products. And you wouldn't get any more updates, of course, kind of like a subscription model um, where you keep getting updates, but that's really nice for people that want to just own software and are okay with it. So that isn't available anymore. And I know a lot of people complain about Adobe not being able to just buy one and stick with it for a few years. Um, so that other than that, I, th I think it's okay, I guess. Um, but Adobe has such a monopoly on things now that I'm also worried that it's gonna kind of go the way of other products. Like the example I gave when I was talking to somebody else was there's Lightroom and Lightroom CC now, and those are like staples of Adobe, but Lightroom is like for the hardcore photographers and then Lightroom CC has been kind of watered down and more commercialized and for mainstream and it syncs with the, the phone or tablet or whatever, but it's just not as great. And you've seen that the full blown version of Lightroom has kind of gotten pushed by the wayside and it's not updating as much. and buggy and things like that. And we've seen that with After Effects, of course, that, you know, as they merge teams around and switch them all around, that After Effects hasn't been really getting updated. So hopefully that doesn't happen with yeah, all Yeah, I mean, I am seeing it too. Like, I don't want to go on like an Adobe rant right now per se, but like I'm seeing a really close like parallel to iMovie and Final Cut, right? Like all of a sudden it's just being like after starting to get like dumbed down for a generic user that can just make stuff on the fly. I get it. Content's a must now for businesses. More people than ever need to make content. Making tools available for everyone to use definitely makes sense. As long as the pro apps and whatnot aren't suffering and like who knows what might come of this. Like I hope they just let them do their thing and continue to let that team run as they have been doing. It seems like the CEO or whatever, uh, Sebastian, uh, I forget his last name, but he's coming on as like the head of 3D for Adobe and stuff like that. So interested to see where, how this pans out. But I think similar to what you were saying, Liam, like you just don't want these pro apps to just, you know, start, stop getting the love they need, you know? Um, so I think everyone probably has their own gripes with certain software, but, um, let's hope that it continues being developed how it has been, or even, I don't know, given more attention, but you know, there was a lot of talk in the different slacks and whatnot of like, um, the Adobe dimension and how maybe substance would integrate with that and bringing it into AR there, you know, Adobe's got some code name for their AR program or app that they're using. And so like, that's pretty interesting. We'll see what happens with that, but I don't know. I hope it just doesn't like um, stifle any innovation or whatnot, even though there's money, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be um, advancing the technology. Um, yeah. Does anyone so. else want to chime in on it or does it feel like it's, a dead horse <laughs> just beating just as someone who who 
has played with the demo and hasn't uh, bought it or subscribed to it, I'm interested in maybe having it part of the Adobe service. <laughs> that should be fun. Yeah, like I think that'd be awesome. It depends on what Adobe does because there's rumors that Adobe wants to do like a pro tier, which like isn't that the whole point of people subscribing to the service is that you're a pro at this point and like you're, or at least you're working in the industry. And I know there's a lot of like artists that subscribe and everything, but why would you need a, another tier for, for this kind of software and everything? So hopefully, yeah, that'd be cool if they bundle it in, but I'm worried too that like, what, what's this new 3d pro tier that is rumored and all that. And then it makes me think back to last year with, you know, the new head of Maxon being from Adobe. And it's like, are they still eyeing Maxon a little bit or Cinema 4D and what's going on with that? Especially like algorithmic is such a like big player for us, for Adobe to buy that it seems like it, it could be likely that Maxon is next. So I, I just want to, I, I wish they were like a little bit more transparent about what their plans are for their 3D sector, but I guess it's to come. Yeah, we shall see. And I mean, a lot of discussion was talking too about like a substance designer being like really integral into, um, into game development, right? So like that might be kind of the main reason for it to get a lot of those artists in, in the pipeline, but we'll see, we'll see how, how it, Plan, or pans out, I guess. So. I don't think you have to worry about Maxon, though, because Maxon's owned by Demeshtek or whatever, which is this huge multi-million dollar CAD company, which doesn't really, I don't think it's intention to sell it or, you know, it, it's like, yeah, they just keep it around for their own rendering needs and whatnot. I don't think they want to, like, they don't have any money troubles, so I don't think they're going to sell it anytime soon. <laughs> right. All right. Well, I don't really want to beat that anymore. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. So I guess, um, as you were saying in the beginning, Alexi, do you want to kind of start things off for our topic with things that we wish we knew starting out either as a 3d artist or getting into the industry, um, or even just like go over your article a little bit and then we can open it up to general discussion. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, I'm Alexei. Anyone doesn't know me. Um, I kind of, like, the, like, I wrote this article because people have been asking me, like, you know, what the recommendations, you know, what I rec like students and graduates and stuff. And it's kind of hard for me to recommend direct things like that because I kind of stumbled into this career by accident. I was just putting stuff out on DeviantArt, if anyone remembers that. That's like Instagram before, you know, Facebook. And, uh, yeah, someone just, I was making, I made a 3D model of an MP3 player and some guy asked me, how to make a, if, he, if I could make an MP3 player based on his design sketches, like he was a student and I did, and he paid me 200 bucks over PayPal. And I was like, holy shit, you know, internet money. Just, you know, I was like, I think 15 or 16 at the time. Um, but as a result, and then I wasn't really planning on doing 3D. I was going to go into the economics of finance or whatever boring, yeah, Jewish related stuff there was. Um, but yeah, so I just after trying to study at university for management and stuff, I realized that there was no way I could possibly do this. And people were still emailing me every once in a while for jobs. So I just kind of went, you know, maybe I'll just go full time in this. And 
I kind of rolled into it. But as a result, I missed out on a lot of basic stuff. Like I didn't know anything about color theory or composition or any of the stuff that I mentioned in the article. Like I didn't, you know, but I see a lot of people, like especially like I think last time we discussed taste and I saw a lot of people struggling, like a lot of people who talk to me, they struggle, like I try to help, you know, teach people who ask me how to help. And most of them, you know, think that if their work sucks, if they think their work sucks, then their work sucks and they can't do anything about it. So I felt that's a, an important point to you know, cover with, you know, yeah, if you can see your work sucks, that's a good thing because that means you, when it stops sucking, you can also tell. So you can maybe see things that you can improve and you know, that's the only way forward because if you can't see, how, if you can't see that your work sucks, then you can't improve. There's no moving forward. So I thought that was important. And when I tell that to people, they seem to generally be kind of happy about it because, you know, <laughs> um, they, they see that it's a good thing that they work, that they can see that their work sucks. Um, what was the other thing I mentioned? Uh, recycled animation. Yeah, I love that stuff about the, when I first also saw the Disney stuff and how everything is a remix, how they just use their own animations from previous cartoons and how the guys who made Star Wars just basically edited together like a bunch of old Westerns and replaced the gunfights with the laser fights. You know, it was just like, also it's that, that was kind of something that I had no idea, but I always try to make everything original. And then I realized that, well, you're still getting inspired by the things you've learned, the things you've watched, the things you read about. So it's not really a, you know, it's not an issue. Just, you know, pick the things that you're inspired by and trying to figure out how they inspired you. And you know, that's, what I was like, I remember when I watched that, I was like, well, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, the getting good takes time thing is also that something that a lot of people, like so many people I talk to expect to just be good straight away. Like they're, they're like, they look at other people and they're like, oh, this guy is, you know, great. But nobody sees the, you know, millions of renders of crap. Like that's why I try to keep my, like my, my DeviantArt is still up and it still has all my renders going back to the exact, like to the really beginning of basically my first stuff that I feel that I did, it's all, <laughs> yeah, Matt, Matt's arguing into the camera. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the first thing, uh, it has all my renders. So if someone ever asks me, you know, I'll point them to that and I like, look, that's where I started. That's how I moved up. So, you know, you can do it too. Um, what else did I have? Um, yeah, finding people who inspire you and copying them, that's like, I'm, you know, it's, uh, I think it's like the, like there was, I watched this, that's actually, there's another thing that I got to add. There was this concept art artist who was talking about how much faster 3D made their work because, you know, before they, everyone had to spend, you know, years you know, learning how to do perspective and practicing and finessing it. And now basically he says all the concept artists in a studio, they just build the scene in 3D, like just the basic shapes wherever they want everything to be. And then they just use that for perspective and that's it. You don't have to, you know, rule anything out anymore. And he was talking about how, like, that's a, a good time-saving technique. And he was talking about how to, how you know, the fastest way to become uh, a concept artist, like the pros, is to copy them, and then you'll be at the. It'll make you at the stage where they are, and then you're in a much better position to develop your own style and move out that way. So that was, I think, also pretty important because I was really stuck on the whole being completely original thing. Like, I was like, I don't want to look like I'm copying someone. Um, and then the last point, I, well, like color theory, that's, yeah, that's something I had no idea that was a thing <laughs> and just zero clue that was, you know, um, 
I always struggled to pick color. Like I, all my colors were kind of always like really bright and colorful and never was anything kind of mood related or, you know, so that was, that's some useful videos there. Any of the how to judge your own work. This was also from last week's taste discussion that you should, um, like if you want your work to be, like example, like recently I've been using Yambo Studio and we are for real. Like I really love their work and you know, I just put up their work next to my work and I'm like, would this fit in or would this not fit in? And I try to, you know, add like lighting or fix it up so that whatever I make kind of looks like it would fit into there. Doesn't always work, but um, I feel that helps. Oh yeah, and Pinterest. Yeah, that was something that I think it really helps also for finding inspiration and click the collecting resources. I think that's something also that I wasn't really taught is that it's really important to collect inspiration and resources like you have to have like your you know inspiration boards and you know thematic stuff like fold even they can have folders of it or whatever but pinterest is very convenient since you can just do it from your phone you can just sit there and better in your you know and scroll through stuff and you know pin stuff to various boards and then suggest stuff and it's really convenient i think for when you're starting out like a lot of people are like where do you get your inspiration from or how do you find references easily and will you collect them throughout your life and then you have them when you need them. Yeah, yeah, I, I like Pinterest too. Like, especially if you start following people that you really like their work and you start digging into their pins, you're like, Oh, like maybe a board's even titled a certain thing. And you're like, Oh, that was the inspiration for this piece that I really like, you know, and you keep just digging that way. Yeah. Like Royal advertising. I think they have a great Pinterest account. Like they're always pinning a lot of really nice stuff and they always have references for all like, you know, like different boards there. You should really find them. They're good. Yeah. Anyway, that's pretty much it on my stuff. G monk. Yeah. G monk as well. But I don't think he, I don't think he pins as often though. Like uh, Royal advertising always comes up. Yeah. Cool. Anyone else want to, Hop in, or Liam, you're good at this. Just calling people out. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say, like Pedro just shared Raul Marx, of car, of course, to his Pinterest. So um, I'll copy that for our links today too. Um, so I was thinking, who? So Royal Advertising, who is that? Is that like a company or is that a Pinterest? board where should we find that um it's a studio um i think they're like we are royale as well or so i'll find it oh okay yeah i know um, oh yeah so yeah it's them and they have the really nice pinterest board um i don't know if they have a link on their website but you just type in we are royale mm, no i can't find it off top of it yeah uh, that's all right yeah. um yeah but yeah, they do awesome work too. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think Mark, that's a good idea. We'll start calling on people. And the way I was picturing this is maybe somebody gives something that they've learned throughout their career, like that they wish they had known as they got into it. Um, I, th I think these five are a great base, but maybe we could also talk about like <laughs> dealing with clients too, or, things like that. So um, I am going to, how about Nick, Mr. Rockaforce, you want to, you want to chime in? What are, what are things that you have learned that you wish you knew getting into this? Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and kind of what I've learned 
how I got here was kind of through video production and, you know, just getting down and dirty with editing and, and all of that. So it's, um, yeah, I kind of learned like just follow what kind of interests you and, and just keep doing it. And eventually it's, it's something that hopefully somebody's going to pay you specifically just to do that. Um, and yeah, and basically usually you're only as good as you're hitting deadlines. If, you know, if you can't hit deadlines and communicate, uh, you know, you're, you're not going to last very long. You're not going to get repeat clients. You know, you really have to live by the deadline if you have a deadline, you know, and just uh, do what you need to do to get that done. So, yeah, yeah, that's kind of what I live by. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, like even in-house or freelance, you know, like it, it's, it's always the deadline that's going to be driving you and your credibility a little bit too. Like you're working with a team and then if you decide to leave that team and go to another agency and you ask for recommendations, that producer may, may say, well, he's great as an artist, but hitting deadlines, not so much. And so that kind of hinders your, your credibility there. Um, I was just reading through something in the chat from Pedro thing, uh, copying is legit as long as you're not claiming originality. It's about how you frame it. Yeah, this is always like a big discussion too. And um, I, I think it's a good point that, you know, copying someone verbatim, like, like we've seen this come up with things on Motionographer where they've honored people and then it turns out they were actually like copying work almost verbatim. Um, you know, that's not so great, but, you know, looking at somebody's work and copying aspects of it and mixing it with somebody else's work and it kind of goes along with everything's a remix. I think that's a lot better attitude for copying stuff. Um, but I think that's also a discussion for another time as well. Um, in my article, I also mentioned it. Like, definitely, I don't mean copy it and say it's yours. You always, like, you have to mention that it's other people's work. And mostly, like, you copy, I think, like, like, it's like tracing. Like, you think tracing doesn't really help you draw, but it does. Like, when you trace stuff, like, you get to see where all the little lines kink and stuff and things you don't really pay attention to when you actually just, you know, draw it freehand or you, you draw it yourself. Like, it's, like, it's just, it, like, when you try to copy something exactly, you see, like, what are those little things that you missed that you might have not paid attention to if you're just looking at it. So I think as a learning experience, it's really important. Yeah, and I think that way with like coloring books too, because you're talking about coloring, color theory. That's a great way to test out color theory. Just get a coloring book and try out different colors together and see how it's affecting the whole scene. Then you don't even have to worry about coming up with an idea. You can just see how things are affected. It's also really good for like shading practice, depending on the coloring book where you can try different tones in different areas and see how that's affecting the shape of the illustration. Um, so yeah, copying stuff, doing stuff that's already been formed, it, it, it definitely helps build up your skill set. Um, so let's see, how about, Matt, are you able to talk today? You look like you're at home, Matt Rittman. Oh, can you guys hear me? Yep. yep. Well, I would have some advice, but I've only been doing this since January, so <laughs> I don't really have any advice. Well, I, I guess even just in your career at all, not not just yeah. freelance, but are, are there things that you've learned along the way? 
Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just like, I guess I'm super diligent with my work. So just really working hard, even when you don't want to, I guess. So yeah, I don't have a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. I mean, it's Monday too. So yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess I'll chime in as sure. I'm thinking about stuff. I, th I think one of the things that, or I guess there's two things that came to mind when I thought about this. One is you, you kind of make your own fate in this industry a bit. Like when I first started working at discovery and was working there, a lot of the time I had to drive myself to get better and want to seek out tutorials and learn cinema 4d. Like it wasn't a requirement to learn cinema 4d for the job but I really wanted to, I really wanted to get into 3D. And then I became like one of the only people on the team that was doing 3D work. Um, so something that I've learned is that you can't rely on an art director or a creative director to make you better. You, you have to have that drive too. And then, um, man, what was the other thing I was gonna say? Now I'm, I'm losing my, my train of thought since I went off on that, but, um, that still applies today and like as I went freelance and now I've gone back is like everything that you do, it kind of stops with you. So, um, you know, you can have a team around you pushing you and helping you get better and giving you feedback, but don't, don't use that as a crutch either. Because um, when I first got into it, I was thinking like, I'm in a studio, I have a team around me and I'm going to learn so much from them, which you do but that's only if you're putting in the effort yourself to get better as well. I'm just reading through the chat a little bit too. Yeah, I was just gonna chime in quick. Uh, Lucky D was saying, just in terms of the Pinterest, and Lucky, do you have a mic? I don't know, can you talk? Like, not much, oh, oh, you're still working, yeah, all good. Yeah. I wasn't sure if you had a mic and, and you could talk or not, but. Um, What's the question? I was just going to say you made a point in the chat just about Pinterest and how it's kind of just like a black hole and the references are rarely kind of put back to the original artist. Yeah, you'll get like 16 pieces which are the exact same piece of artwork, but like only one of them may be the actual artist and the rest is just like their designs on a t-shirt and I didn't know sometimes you'll get like tiny images, sometimes you get huge images, but I don't know, it kind of feels like a big random selection where you never really know who made what. And if you actually want to find something that's by the same artist, then you actually want to find more of the same type of artworks, it, it, it can be a black hole. Uh, and I've had friends that have tried to get their artwork off Pinterest. They don't want their stuff to be on Pinterest and they've told me it's impossible. Just they don't, there is no support center if you don't want your work to be on Pinterest. Oh, interesting. I mean, I can see how it's, yeah, it just keeps like the dominoes just keep falling. People keep pinning and repinning. And it's just I like, get, probably I get emails every once in a while which say that this piece of this thing that you have pinned has been removed from Pinterest because at the request of the author. So I think they have the option somewhere, but yeah, I agree. There's a lot of stuff that uses artwork and links to not the author, but it's just for sales and stuff. So that is kind of annoying, but you know, it's a yeah, tool. At the same time, it's like, how you can. Yeah, it, 
it's it's still the the best one to find a lot of artwork, as far as I know. Yeah. Just to categorize your own stuff, if you don't use the search, like when you find things, it's I haven't found anything else that's like synced across multiple devices, and it's just so easy to create mood boards and keep them, you know, perpetually. Mm. Yeah, I I do agree that Pinterest seems to be the most diverse way to search for stuff because I've been. I've easily gone down a hole on Pinterest where I start looking at, say, uh, UI elements. And then as I click through that, then I'll see something under the recommendations. And I'm like, oh, this is cool. And then that recommendation leads to a different recommendation. And then by the time I'm done with it, I'm looking at like glowing trees in the woods. <laughs> and I started off with like UI elements. So um, I, don't, I don't think Behance or Instagram leads people around that way and allows you to explore nearly as well. So um, I will give Pinterest that. I, I do think it gets a little bit overwhelmed with like mainstream crap and ads of like, here's your top 10 recipe for like making your ass bigger or whatever. <laughs> like, I, I, I don't need that when I'm searching for futuristic UI stuff. But uh, other than that, I, th I think it's a good place to go for sure. Yes, Matt, you can get that recipe for sure. <laughs> Saying that in the chat. Um, how about, let's see, Dan, are you able to talk today? It looks like you're, you're at home. Yeah, can you hear me? Yep. Okay, cool, I'm having microphone problems. Um, so I use Pinterest to just kind of save and bookmark and categorize anything I find on the internet. I don't really use it to like repin things. So I'm kind of, if you use it as yourself, like. I don't really see the issue with like who cares if you search and you see the same post like on 10 different people's boards and they're all from different websites. It's just linking to different websites. And I use it as a way to like collect a visual library as references. So if you're using it just as your own personal tool. I think it's an amazing tool. Um, and I've used it internally in companies on projects and individually for personal work. So it's, I find it invaluable. Um, and in terms of uh, like learning 3D in the beginning, and uh, I 100% agree uh, with the tracing and basically copying. Uh, that's how I learned is I saw a picture or I saw a render, or I saw an animation and I just tried to recreate it, whether it was with a tutorial or just me reverse engineering it. And that, that's how you learn. You're, those, aren't, those kind of projects aren't gonna get you clients or get you work, but it's going to level up your skills like nothing else will. So starting out, that's really what I recommend to anyone is just start copying other people's stuff, like start find a picture of something and just make it or, you know, like model something that's sitting at your desk. You just, you got to dive in and start copying the things you see around you. Just on that note with copying, I find like it's way more useful when you know exactly what you're looking for in the piece. So if you're just copying for the sake of it, that's fine. It, it still works. You can still improve. But like, let's say you're looking at inking and you want to know why someone inks a certain way and you, you do a pass of just the ink, then you do a pass of like, maybe there's light coming in from one side of the drawing and that's why the inks are thicker here and, and they're skinnier here. 
like the more you narrow down what you're looking for and what you like in the piece, the more like you learn, in my opinion. That's the way I've discovered it works for me. Yeah. Yeah, like I've, I've noticed that with anything too, because I've been messing around with ZBrush this week and watching tutorials and watching how people do things. I've been pausing and like rewinding and pausing and rewinding and like trying to do the exact move that they're doing and learn like, oh, okay, so like I use this brush if I want to create a crease and then I can go over top of it with this one and things like that. Um, yeah, and it, it definitely helps to look at it more, I guess, analytical or scientifically of like trying to break down why something is doing it instead of just like going through the motions. But totally agree, like going through the motions, you're still going to build up skills, but if you can be analytical with it, it totally helps. Yeah, and I mean, this is a very technical field and the software is always changing. So a lot of it, it it's more than just the artist hours you got to learn the technical stuff and to learn the technical stuff, you need to turn off the artist part of your brain sometimes and just learn how the tools work. And you know, you're not going to do that any other way. Like I'll get hung up on not knowing what I want to make. That's why I will just pick an object and model it or I'll copy something else. So I'm not hung up on trying to create something cool and original. I'm, but I'm practicing. That's a good point. I like it. So I remember I was at some gallery, I think it was uh, Van Gogh or something, and they were showing also his like previous work, or maybe it was in one of those videos that I linked to. And, you know, he's saying like, you know, he has these amazing works, but he also has like 500, you know, drawings of shoes, you know, and just like fruit bowls from his room, because that's the stuff that, you know, that's what you practice on. You know, he was just practicing his paint strokes and what nobody really cares or wants to see it, but that's what you got to do. You know, that's how you get there. For me, it would be, uh, am I coming through? Um, for me, it would be giving tips uh, as far as, who I should be drawn to um, and who I should be allergic to. Because when I was 16, 17, it was like I was the young, oh, you like to work at night. Oh, you like to work on the weekends. And I was like, well, I, I can. Um, and so I always kept getting slipped into these graveyard shifts. And, um, and then I would be getting like those producers who are either super young and super green or, and I, I come from a lot originally more, that kind of work was more editing. Um, but then I became their guy and it was because I was young and could be ground down, <laughs> you know, like always willing to deliver that night because they were wanting to review it over the weekend and show their client probably Tuesday, you know, and so I'm like sweating and I would always deliver with an apology, like, oh, I'm sorry, this needs to be polished. And that, and I would give my, I, to my younger self starting out, I would say like, there will be times where you need to apologize, like it will happen, but don't always come delivering with an apology because I, like just, uh, just some of that's just personality and like insecurity and 
um, feeling like I'm in an industry and totally like being 17, like I dropped out of high school. So, I mean, I had a massive, um, uh, oh, what's the complex? I was going to say inferiority complex. Um, imposter syndrome. Imposter. imposter thank you. <laughs> thank you. Um, and so having that, but then having producers who would like, maybe knowingly, maybe not knowingly, like take advantage of that into, and who I kept working with into my twenties, you know, and who did it at every turn, who would cut days off of a, who changed the budget, the budget that was allocated for me because they were like, Oh, well, my husband had to, you know, courier a drive to you. So I'm going to pay him for his time. And it's like, what? I worked six days for you and you're paying me one, like be allergic to those people. And then I also worked with these people who I always thought I was like infringing on their time and I would apologize to them too and be like, Oh, sorry, sorry. You know, and I'm working with these creative directors who are like, no, I'm, you know, like we can work on this or you can look over my shoulder and watch what I'm doing. And I'd be like, sorry, sorry. And he's like, I'm working, you know, like you're not, I, I I'm happy to have the company while, while I'm doing this and being drawn to people who are willing when they have the time to give you the time, because it seems like in the industry, there's, it's like a quite a rise on the spectrum of types of people. You either have the people who are like really willing to help you and help you grow and help you learn as long as you're willing and available and like wanting to absorb. And now that I'm older, I love that, you know, when someone's willing and receptive and absorbing things and then growing, it's just like, that's like a drug at, when you're on the teacher side. So now I see that a lot different. And uh, so I would just really stress that. And then the other thing is always be saving <laughs> is the tip I would give. And I don't just mean like your files <laughs> backing up, like freelancing, like no matter what you do, save some, save like rainy days will come, learn the fluctuation, learn what clients to be drawn to, be efficient so you can charge. Oh, that's probably one other thing is bid, bid high because I don't know how many times I've gotten the, oh, okay, yeah, that's fine. And it's like, oh, dang it, uh, especially with bigger corporate clients or I've lost work because my bid was too low. That's a good point. Bid high. Uh, JC. Always me racing. I, we see you you're joining um, a meeting for one of the first times, I think. Do you have, uh, you want to talk about anything that you knew or wish you knew when you started out in this industry? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, yeah, this is my first meeting, so yo, what's up? Uh, but <laughs> uh, for me, you need to have, like other people have mentioned this, you need to have like a reasonable body of work, you need to put in the ethic, but for every success that I've had, uh, it's been meeting people, like knowing the people, uh, going out and meeting the people, uh, and networking has been super important with that. Um, literally two years ago, I moved to a new city, didn't do any work beforehand, uh, but like by going out, meeting people, within eight months, I was booked up full. Uh, and so like going to networking events was super important, like just kind of meeting everyone you can, um, not like, you, you, we were talking about allergic people and you kind of have to, um, you have to navigate that situation, but 
every job I've gotten that I've enjoyed or that's been like satisfying for me has come through someone who's either taken a risk on me or I've met at a, at a meetup or met somewhere or it's a friend of a friend or something like that. So like, it's not restricting yourself and who, you know, uh, was almost more important than like doing able to do the work. Cause I mean, tons of us can do the work. A lot of this work is like, Oh, we just need some text changed, uh, changes text layer. Uh, but yeah, I think that's what I would want to know. Like, go to networking events, network hard, become known. Yeah, yeah I, I, I was gonna say, I wrote that down or like similar note down as I was trying to figure out my thoughts again. Um, that not like, not just networking, but like personality can totally trump your work too. Like you can have great work and then you you work with somebody and you're just a complete dick or like you drop the ball and you don't apologize for it. Or like, you know, you, you kind of, see a job as beneath you then that that can really hurt you going forward um and I'm, I'm not saying this from like personal experience but just like having worked with others where it's just like how oh, this project was such a grind to get through because so and so was pissed off the whole time or um you know they they ended up wanting to not stay the last 15 minutes of this project of the day to get it delivered and, and out the door. Um, so uh, I'd say, you know, as much as people put time into their dailies and like being a super cool artist and having like whatever post effects from Octane in their renders, cool. Like that's great. It will get eyes on you depending on who you're going after client wise. But if you are terrible to work with, then you may as well not even be in this industry. Yeah, I think that was kind of one of my aspects of becoming known, becoming known not only in the sense of like, I exist as a person in this space and you should hire me, but also like known as a person that, that gets the job done, can work efficiently, can, can do whatever work is thrown at them or can learn on the job. Like becoming known as a person that is competent uh, is often more important than being a superstar uh, but if you can't really work together with them, then you're not going to get hired. Yeah, I remember when I was starting out, I was already doing, uh, like I was doing 3D mostly, but I did After Effects work as well. And this one studio, this guy kept on uh, sending me After Effects jobs, which I wasn't that good at. Like I could do them, but it, I was slower. And I mean, there were plenty of people who could do it better. And I asked him, you know, why do you keep sending me these jobs? I mean, there's clearly people who can do this better than me. He's like, just shrugged and he's like, I don't know, I like drinking with you. So when you come over, we work and then we have some drinks, so, you know, and, and that, that moment was kind of like, oh, cool. And then I realized, my God, how many jobs do I lose out because someone likes drinking with somebody else? I mean, that's the whole point of like doing some of these network events, like half res or NAB or whatever. You're like, you hang out with these people, you have a beer or two with them. You're, and then you're like, cool. Yeah. You're, you're a cool person. I get if I have work that's gonna you know fit your role or, or your skill set, like yeah, I'll I'll fire that project over to you. I trust you, you know. And like, there are also tons of like local events, like or or you can start one yourself. Like any, you'll get more uh, what's it, leverage out of face to face meetings, uh, but at like big events like NAB and you mentioned Halfers, like there everyone's there to do that, but. 
at local events, you're like, oh, okay, you live down the street. Uh, I'll help you out because you're like my friend, sort of, even though we've never met because we live close together. It's like kind of like the when you're a kid, your best friend is the person who lives next door, not because like it's the best person, but because it's right there. Um, that kind of happens professionally as well. Yeah, I, <clears throat> not to necessarily get off the network topic right now, but I feel like a lot of a lot of this information is sometimes like an echo chamber. A lot of people like saying a lot of the same things over years and years. And I would say one thing that I wish I knew when I started out was I wish I like actually listened to more of this advice. Like I, I feel like I have done pretty well with it, but when someone says, Oh, if they're bidding you down on your quote, you probably don't want to work with them because they're going to be like already in your ear about every little nitpicky detail or try to bring you down or get an extra revision out of it or, you know, or whatnot. And I was totally warned about that, but I've went into jobs just like that. And I was like, God damn it. Like I totally, I totally fucked myself on this, you know? And uh, so just trying to like take all this advice and actually listen to it moving forward. And um, I wish, I would have known that all these stories that come from people and not that I would or I should have known or would have, I wish I would have known this, but like people are talking from experience and that experience is not just theirs alone. I'm sure a lot of people have gone through very similar things and just taking all of this advice really to heart and um, you know, people who are sharing these tips have the experience to back it up. So to, I don't know, just to really, take this advice and run with it and, 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 uh, stay true to it, I guess. Yeah. And like going off that bet a bit is like, trust your gut a bit too. <laughs> like, like it's really, really easy to read an email and be like, ah, that money looks really good, but something just seems off with this and just jump into it anyway. And like 90% of the time when that happens, your gut is right. And it turns out to be a terrible job. And I, I wish I had known that when I first started getting into freelance for sure. Cause it's so scary jumping into freelance. If, if you don't have any clients I'll end up and like, ah, it's money, it's right there. And then you get into it. Like I should have just trusted my gut. And then, you know, while you're working on this crappy job, you probably get headed up for a job that you wish you could have taken on and you can't because you're locked into something else. So um, kind of going along with Mark, like heed, heed the advice, but also if, if you don't want to heed the advice, just listen to your, your gut about things. Cause it, it's, it's probably right. Um, I guess we haven't really opened this can of worms, but we hinted at it a little bit. And I think Ryan talked about like budgets too. Um, I like, I, I, I knew getting into freelance what some budgets were having come from broadcast but you you don't really realize how much you you can make in the industry and how much people are actually charging for things um so i i wish i had started off my day rate a lot stronger and i'm always willing to open up about day rates and things like that when i first got into this uh four years ago as a freelancer i came out with like 300 a day and with by the end of that first project, the person I worked with luckily told me like, you need to be charging more in this industry. And when you start to break down like taxes and things like that, 
I didn't realize like how much I was actually losing out on things and how much money I should have been charging for stuff. Um, so I would say if you are new to getting into freelance, listen to what people are saying and ask around about what you should be charging in the industry and don't be afraid to ask people their day rates. Like some people definitely want to keep that stuff personal, but there's a lot of us out here that will definitely talk about it and get into the details. So, um, yeah, that, that's one thing I wish I had done better was ask about what my day rate should be. Let's see, Kendall, I see that you have joined in. Do you wanna chime in on anything that you, you've learned through your career that you, you wish you had known? Um, I don't know, I'm still early in my career, so I'm like sitting here <laughs> listening to everything. Well, this is good, I'm just like taking notes. All right. So. How about, um, let's see, Seth, do you have a mic? Are you able to join in? Yeah. Cool. So I think you just recently went freelance too, right? But yeah, you've been a motion designer for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been, I've been in it for, I've been in an agency for like three years and then little odd jobs for two years before that. So I was fortunate to get quite a bit of experience at the agency and I'm freelance since June. My current struggle is I was fully booked by that agency all last year, which was great. Um, and I think looking back, I would have in the short time span of uh, hindsight told myself to just network a little harder. I started, but not as hard as I could have. I think I thought I had to be available uh, in my subconscious like soon and I knew I was going to be pretty much booked. Um, so I'm kind of experiencing a lull right now for not like realizing, oh, I kind of just have to be out there a little more. Um, so building up a little momentum right now, but I think, you know, in a couple months it'll, it'll be okay. Yeah, and I like it's probably also this time of year too. At least for me as a freelancer, this time of year is always a slowdown because people are trying to use up their budgets at the end of the year. And then as the new year starts, they get new budgets. And so they're kind of being a little bit more protective of them a bit. But then come towards the end of February into March as the first quarter is starting to end, I've noticed that people start to get back in the groove a bit more. So um, yeah, I, I would say if, if you're experiencing a low right now, don't be too afraid of it. Hopefully you have money saved up to get through it, but it, it's kind of normal this time, time of year. Um, it, and it can, can be normal going into Christmas too sometimes, but I've noticed the last couple of years as we've gone into Christmas that like a lot of agencies have been ramping up again at the end of the year. So um, you, you'll figure out your own yeah. waves, of course. So, um, man, we're already at 10.53 for this morning. I, I, I didn't realize time had gone by that fast. Um, is there anyone else that wants to chime in or Matt, have you seen, or not Matt, uh, Mark, have you seen anything that has gone in the chat that I may have missed or we have missed? Um, just going back to the whole networking thing. Um, there's a little bit of a discussion with like Matt and Lucky just talking about um, introverted people on a team of outroverts and people who want to party and drink all the time and 
compared to people who just want to kind of put their head down and do the work. <laughs> and uh, I think, you know, there's obviously qualities to both of those. I don't know if Matt or Lucky you want to chime in on that, but I, I think that's a pretty interesting point too, because I'm sure there's a lot of people in a similar position. Yeah. I mean, I worked at an agency really quickly and it just wasn't the lifestyle for me uh, after I left discovery. And I, as extroverted as I come off on like this and like meetups and things like that, when I'm working, I generally want to be left alone. <laughs> I just want, I don't, I want to be like in a room by myself and just let me do my thing. And then when it's time for a re review and do that. Um, but I, I would say it's, it's definitely hard because at, at an agency, there is kind of like this madman mentality a bit of like, all right, let's go out and drink after we're done with the job and let's go out and drink with these clients and oh it's two o'clock on friday let's have a long lunch and drink and i just was never really about that even now i don't really drink too much um so i th i think the only thing that you can do with that is kind of like ride the wave a little bit like it's great for networking like i would go to those events afterwards and not always drink but i'd go just to like meet a client face to face and maybe that would lead to a connection down the road um i'd say don't don't feel pressured to to drink if you don't want to or get into that party scene and as far as networking goes if you feel like that's the only time to network reach out to people and go to lunches you know say hey let's go get some chipotle today instead of like ordering in and bring it back to the office, go actually out and sit there and eat at the restaurant and take some time to hang out with those people in an environment that isn't the office. Um, Cause it's really easy to say, hey, let's order Chipotle or wherever today and have it come into the office. But then you're just kind of still having lunch with your coworkers and it's, it's different. When you get outside the office, people usually put their guard down a little bit more and they feel a bit freer to talk about things that may be happening inside the, the employer. Like, uh, rates or like how much somebody is getting paid versus you. And, and um, it, it's a lot easier to build relationships that way because you don't feel like the, the shadow of an employer over you. So um, that would be my advice is start reaching out for like lunches. You're, you're also not just this black box that spits out animations when you do that, when you have FaceTime, they remember you're a person. And so then they can ask you things like, oh, like, especially when it comes to things like, how are your kids? You have kids because you're, you're a human being and you have a life outside of making things for me. Totally. And I think too, going back to the whole networking discussion originally there, um, just being a nice person, <laughs> like you don't have to be, smashing beers or you know smoking cigs or whatever with like other people you can just be a nice person that happens to be there too you know and like um you don't have to necessarily succumb to the like work hard play hard mentality or whatnot you know um play hard as in like party hard or whatever you know there's definitely some places that are probably like that but um i think just being a a, a nice person just goes a long way and i think you hear that from a lot of people around the industry, including a lot of the top tier kind of producers and whatnot.
Um, sorry, I don't mean to chime in again, but someone just wrote about in the smoking area. Um, and it made me think back to like good advice. Sorry if you can hear my dog. Um, that uh, I wish I could have told myself because I actually lost work because of this is um, be careful of like one, everything that we've saying, I keep saying to myself, like, bro, be cool. You know, like, don't apologize, just be chill, you know, like, receive it um and just hang out and be cool with the people around but um one thing is like don't talk shit um you don't you like it's not cool to vent about um, like everyone's working and you have no idea what sometimes it's deserved but it's just it will not benefit you at all but the other thing as far as um what made me think about it's going out to like the smoking section is be careful about listening to people talking shit because you can get like binned in a group or someone can, what happened to me was someone was just like, and Ryan totally agrees with me. And I was like, whoa, no. And I was out, I wasn't there when they said that. And it was just kind of like, all of a sudden, I, my name was stamped on this too. And it was like jeopardizing um, the, not the agency, but the client, uh, the relationship with the client. And I was like, I didn't, you know, I mean, it was this massive fire and it was just because I was like letting someone vent to me. And so you just be careful of that too. Yeah. Misery loves company, right? So yeah, be careful of getting grouped in that. I got to just add on the alcohol thing and the drinking, like obviously it's not for everyone, but especially if you live in a big city, it can make a huge difference. Like the amount of people you meet, well, like I come from a family that doesn't drink at all. And I learned to drink, you know, separate from that. And it's just, it's, it's crazy how much people you meet, especially if you live in like a big city, like which has a lot of this industry. Like when you, even if you're not drinking industry event, you just generally, like when you drink, you, you get closer to people way faster. And that leads to a lot of work. Like it's like when I was in New York, I remember it was just ridiculous how many people I met while just drinking randomly with friends, you know, so it's hard being an introvert and I think you will have to work harder on your work and produce a greater output to get the same amount of work as someone who's extroverted. Like it's definitely something that can't be ignored. Agreed. And if you put yourself out there and you go to these events and you don't drink and you decide to have one or two, just be careful. You're not going for the 30 year scotch or something that's going to put you under the table before you start talking to people. Uh, Side note. Uh, so anyway, yeah, that, that's a Dave Koss reference there. <laughs> he, he likes his scotch, I believe. Um, all right. Well, Liam, what do you think? We, we've hit an hour here. We have a ton of links and inspiration we want to share. Um, yeah. I don't know if you want to go through some of those kind of like fire round style and then kind of allude to what you've been working on in the background for stuff like this. Sure. So... Yeah, why don't we do rapid fire of links? I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen tabs open plus a Twitter app open with a link inside there too. So uh, we've got a lot. There's just been a lot shared this week. So um, I'm gonna go rapid fire. So Teddy Gage, who's been on this a couple times, but um, was definitely really active on the Brograph Slack, shared this one, it's uh, called Shrooms, but it came out about two months ago, but it's just really cool. It's like this organic growth system thing. Um, the one and only Ash Thorpe just put out a new short, and I just shared that a few days ago. It's his uh, 
Epoch 2. And uh, on a very, like, trippy almost. It's space-like, like we've seen with Ash, but it almost has, like, um, like going back to the shrooms link that I shared, like someone's on shrooms a little bit, it gets kind of like glitchy and wild. So it's pretty cool. Um, I forget who shared this. Um, maybe it was Ryan Summers, but somebody shared a link on YouTube about why you should get into drawing. Now it helps with communication, but also like helps with other aspects of your life. And I thought that was a really great uh, video to watch. It's only like 10 minutes long. And then, Let's see, Grayscale Gorilla and Chad just released a making a Spider-Verse inspired, sh inspired shader in Arnold, um, which is really cool. So uh, if you've been wondering how some of the shader techniques used in the new Spider-Verse movie that came out about a month ago, um, try check that out and it will break down the shader a little bit. And then let's see. Alexia. Before we Before we move by that one, Really yeah. quick, uh, just want to give a shout out to Dan Marino, who did the, he did something very similar in the standard render. Or was it standard or physical or something like that? Using the sketch and tune? Oh, your mic's not coming uh, through. You're not coming through. Can you hear me now? There, yep. yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, it's really easy to do in standard in the tune shader. Um, there's a spots no, uh, what's it called? Spots shader that just does it for you. Nice. Um, but yeah, are I you gonna put anything together? Um, I was kind like of like a tutorial around. or anything. I could. Yeah, I, I should. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you should. Because <laughs> it's probably so trending. Many. Yeah, like it's it's cool that Chad put this together for Arnold, but you know how many people are out there that still aren't using third party renderers because it's more money you have to shell out, you know. Um, let's see. What did I just leave off with? Um, Next is PauseFest, it looks like. Yeah, so PauseFest 2019 opening titles. Uh, these are just awesome. Let me go through and see who's on this. Um, it was directed by Loop, and then you can see all the people below, but it it's just great. Um, feels very cinematic, of course, and all the PauseFest over the last couple of years have been really great, but uh, this one just really resonated with me. It, it's great. Um, let's see. We talked a little bit the week before about how Video Copilot is on tour. I think we talked about it last week, um, but these are the opening titles that they put out for going to Paris. Um, there's that there. Well, well, also on the topic, I think Dave leaked that they are putting out a new plugin called Nebula 3D uh, or Nebulous 3D and it's a VD VDB plugin and uh, it is like instant rendering inside After Effects so that seems really cool hopefully there'll be like a preview video that comes out for that um, what else Tendril just put out a new series of videos for this client Freshworks uh, this one is Warpath but if you let it play through it'll play through the series they're really great um, they're short too. They're like 15 seconds at most and just very, very catchy. What else? Um, I think maybe you put this one in the IMAT one. Did you put that in there, Mark? I don't remember. No, I don't 
think so. But uh, let me look. Let me watch it again. I don't really remember this. <laughs> so thanks. <laughs> um. Oh. Okay. So I think. Yeah. If I remember now, as I'm watching through this, this was uh, like ten or so different designers all working on this using Cinema 4D. This was shared in the Cinema 4D Facebook group. Um, but it's just really cool and a bunch of different styles all coming together for this one piece. What else? Uh, Cinema 4D Cafe just announced that they are going to be giving away free content from now on. So their introduction to R18 and modeling, R19 fracturing, their Espresso series, um, introduction to R20 fields and nodes are all free from now on and any content that they release in the future is going to be free as well. Um, so I put a link to that forum post in the chat. So that's really awesome that they are doing that. Um, as I mentioned, I started messing around with ZBrush a bit more this week and Kevin uh, Maestros, I hope I'm saying your last name correct, shared this with me. And it's just a bunch of like free little tutorials and articles from zbrushguides.com. Um, so I'd recommend getting into that if you want to get into ZBrush a little bit more. It's really cool. They have everything from like just a basic article and quick guides up to like really advanced stuff and um, taking you through like every step. And if you can't find something on here, then you probably aren't looking <laughs> in the right spot because there, there's just so much that I've used in the last week to get me through ZBrush and it's awesome. Also probably a lesser known aspect of that is the is Pablo's eBooks uh, come with a bunch of really awesome resources that aren't really like publicized in there. There's like brushes, textures, presets, things like that. So the eBooks are free too and it comes with a bunch of stuff. So if you're into ZBrush, check those out. Yeah, and Kevin turned me on to the brushes there. That's how I first got into it. And then I started clicking around the site and saw the guides and um, products and things like that. And so it, it's definitely worth checking out. Um, let's see. Jesus Suarez just put out his first tutorial on using the Cinema 4D Access Center tool and how you can move it to wherever you need on an object, which I think is great. He walks through how he opens a like a briefcase door, not briefcase, but like a travel case door and moves the access point really easily using the tool. And it's pretty short. It's only, let's see, it's about eight and a half minutes long. So nice, simple tutorial. Um, I use that tool all the time, but he goes into stuff that I didn't even think about using before with it. So cool to look through. All right, we're, we're almost through all these. Uh, let's see, MoGraph memes. If you guys haven't started following them on Instagram, um, I think, Billy Chicken turned me on to them about a month ago, but I, I don't think we've talked about it yet. They are putting out just great posts every day of, of memes, um, really funny stuff. You can definitely tell they're in the industry. Go check them out. Next up, Brett Morris has been going through his career from uh, I think the first or second week of January. He's been posting every day about a project that he's worked on in his career and does a breakdown of it on his Instagram. So I just shared a link to his portfolio or his Instagram profile. Um, but it's really cool to learn about why he got into a pro project and which team he was working on. He's even been doing breakdowns behind the scenes. So if you swipe right or left, you can see some of the wireframes and um, just techniques that he's been using. 
So that's really cool. And where did I put There's, the Twitter link? Yeah. The, yeah. The, do you have that link available? Because uh, you shared it with me, and I can't yeah. get it at the moment. So I don't know how to say his name. Aristis, Aristis Constantindis. Yeah, Obviously, he, I think uh, he works for Maxon, right? Okay. Yeah, this uh, on his Twitter account, he posted this thing. It's, it says spot tutorial, but it's essentially using uh, uh, what is it? The uh, vertex. Sorry, hang on. I'm I'm losing it here. Uh, the vertex map tool and the different uh, freeze fields to kind of create this interesting random kind of vertex selection. Vertex yeah, it's like, map. it's like um, reaction diffusion, but it only, it, it creates a pattern of dots or like a grid of dots. Yeah, and it, as you move the sliders around, you get different results and whatnot. So um, that's pretty interesting. Um, just like a little thing to experiment with. Yeah. Um, could be the foundation for your daily, you know? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that was pretty cool, I thought. Um, so I think that's it for links. We, we, made, we made it through all links. Yeah, I, I wanted just to give one shout out to the BroGraph uh, podcast from last week with Billy. And uh, there was a lot of good discussion in that just about using personal interest to really define either your style or personal projects within your 3D work. Um, so there's, I thought a bunch of good like nuggets of inspiration and, and information in there as well. So uh, check that out. Um, but yeah, other than that, I think that's pretty much it. Um, Liam, I don't know if you want to talk about uh, the the um, newsletter thing? Sure, yeah. So I did like a quick poll in the BroGraph Slack Mogra or Monday meeting channel about starting a newsletter every Friday or so just because like right now we just had so many links and it seems like we keep getting more links. So maybe we can cut down on how many we talk about here and just share them out at the end of the week. Um, so if you guys want to get involved with that, I put a, a little sign up thing on our website. So mondaymeeting.org you can sign up and we're going to start sending out links at the end of the week and it will include a link to uh, listen to these as well so if you can't make it then you'll get a link to where we've posted it for the week um, but there's just been so much great content lately and it's hard to talk about everything and it takes a while that maybe we can just start keeping it to our favorite three for when we're talking about it for here um, I talked about it in the beginning but for people that weren't around um, but we, we also started a discord channel and the thought behind that, just to reiterate that is that we just want to have a, a direct link for people to be able to get in touch with us too and chat. And, um, I really want to use the voice chat feature. That's like my own personal goal of that. So, um, maybe, maybe we can start having more conversations too, not just on Mondays, but throughout the week if people need help with things just jump in there and hop on a call with somebody also the really nice thing about discord is it passes the costs on to the user and not to the server so like if you start a slack you have to pay like per user and it, it's whoever started the slack has to pay that while if you want premium features inside discord like 4k uh, screen sharing and things like that 
then that gets passed on to the user and it's only like like 100 bucks a year and um that way a whole slack doesn't have to try and figure out how to pay for every user that's in there so um but yeah that's kind of just like a test run so we'll try it out and if it works that's great if not maybe we'll start a slack too or we'll just go back to using the Brograph one in the channel full time because there's like two well instant messenger yeah and plus like there's like if i look at the Brograph slack in the channel there's like 200 yeah there's 163 people in there so um i i don't expect everyone to migrate over but It'd be worth a try to see how calls and stuff work on it. Um, let me see. I think we have, do we have a guest next week? I want to bring up the calendar. Yeah. Next week it's looking like we're starting with a challenge. Yeah. So we'll review goals and then a new challenge for the month. So uh, this past month, of course it was January. So we set goals on the first call of the month um, and we can review those next week and then next week we're going to set a new challenge um so that'll be fun and then the following week we have the guys from workbench coming on and then two weeks after that we have caitlin cashew coming on um and then later on we'll have kyle hamrick coming on so we've got we've got a lot of stuff lined up going into like march april and we're still waiting for Pedro to line up Raul and <laughs> Yeah, Pedro's really been dropping the ball and getting in touch with Raul. <laughs> so. um, yeah, but thanks again, again, uh, again, again, I can't talk. Sorry, Monday's crazy. Uh, but being a part of this because the stuff's fun for all of us to just get together once a week and, and chat. So yeah. much appreciated with that. Um, all right cool yeah i think that's it so thanks everybody for joining in um i guess we should say where where to find us i keep forgetting to close out with that so if you want to find us anywhere on social media just do a search for monday meeting of course info at mondaymeeting.org if you want to send us links or chat with us or whatever and then mondaymeeting.org is the site where you can find a link every week uh there should be a link to the new discord as well and a place to sign up for a newsletter that we're going to start up so that's it. Everybody have a great week. And thank you, of course, like Mark said, for joining us.